0: We've been in a a series here at Big Belly Grace where we have been looking at all the different characters of the typical nativity scene. Most of us have one in our home or our apartment. A lot of churches this time of year will do a live nativity scene. Uh, Maybe you saw it out at the mall or at Target or Walmart or whatever, and we kicked it off by looking at the wise men, then we looked at the shepherds, then we looked at Joseph, Then we looked at Mary, and today we're going to wrap up the series by looking at Jesus. Jesus is the central character of the nativity. Jesus is the central character of the the Bible. Now before I um, get into our text, I want to set it up for you, okay? We're going to be in Matthew chapter 21. You can turn there in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, all the notes, uh, verses are in your program, or they'll be up on on the jumbotrons. Uh, in our text, and what I'm going to read, it, it's uh, Sunday, okay? On Friday, Jesus will be crucified. So in our text, it's really the last week of Jesus' life, and everybody's coming to Jerusalem for the, for the Passover, including Jesus. Some scholars believe about two million people are all coming from all around Jerusalem, and they're making their way to the city. Now, Jesus has walked from Galilee the entire time until he reaches a little town about two miles out of Jerusalem and then he gets on a donkey and he rides the rest of the way into Jerusalem. And as he's riding into Jerusalem on this donkey, the people begin to yell and cheer for him as he makes his way into Jerusalem, okay? That's the setup. So with that said, look at Matthew chapter 21, verse 1. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anybody asks what you are doing, just say the Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, quote, tell the people of Israel, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a uh, donkey's colt. And that was written in Zechariah chapter 9, 500 years before this took place. You can also read about it in Isaiah chapter 62. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt. And Jesus sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, praise God for the Son of David, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And I want everybody to zero in on verse 10, okay? Verse 10 says, the entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. Who is this? Who is this? I want you to know that this may be the impo- most important question you'll ever answer. Who is this? Probably some of you have a nativity scene in your house and you put it all together and you, you put the shepherds in the right place, you put all the wise men in the right place, you got Mary and Joseph all there, you took that little figurine, you know, little Jesus, and you put them in there. And you'd never even gave it a thought. Who is this? Who is this baby born in a manger 2,000 years ago? You know, your, your eternal destiny hangs in the balance in terms of how you answer that question. What those people asked that day as Jesus rode into Jerusalem, who is that? Man, what, a, what an incredible question. And what I want to do is I'm going to give you three thoughts as it relates to, to this question. I, I could literally spend a decade every weekend here on, uh, you know, at Big Belly Grace preaching about who Jesus was. And I'd never even begin to scratch the surface as to who he was. But I at least want to give you three thoughts here on Christmas weekend. Who is this Jesus? Number one, who is this Jesus? Jesus, the the, the baby lying in the manger, is the only way you'll ever get to God. He's the only way you get to God. In John chapter 14, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples, and he said this in verse 1. He said, guys, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. There's more than enough room in, in my Father's heaven. If this were not so, I would have told you. If this were not so, I would have told you that I'm going there to... Prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? Then Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And I want you to maybe underline those six words or, 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 or verse six there. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. That little baby grew up And there came a moment when he makes this incredible statement. Nobody will ever get to the Father except through me. And I want you to just kind of take a moment and just ponder that thought. Jesus said that the only way you or I will ever get to the Father is through him. He didn't say that he was one of many ways that you can get to the Father. He said he was it. And I was thinking this past week that there are lots of ways that people come to Jesus. Some of you came to Jesus In a Sunday school class, when you were, you know, just a child, right? Your mom brought you to church, or your grandparents brought you to church, or an aunt or an uncle brought you to church, and as a young child, you gave your life to Christ. Some of you, it was when you were a teenager, maybe a friend invited you to the the youth group's uh, summer camp, and so you went to camp and gave your life to Christ, right? Some of you, you know what, you, you, you were at the bottom of the barrel, man. Your life was a bloody mess. In fact, you weren't at the bottom of the barrel. You had to lift the barrel up, and you were underneath it, right? You had nowhere to look but up. And that's how you gave your life to Christ. Some of you, you know what, your life was great. You had everything you ever wanted. Had a car and a house and a couple of cars, a couple of houses, right? Everything was fantastic for you, but there was still something missing. And he found Christ. Beloved, there's lots of ways that people come to Jesus. But there's only one way you will ever get to heaven. There's only one way you will ever get to the Father. And that's through Jesus. Jesus said basically the same thing in John chapter 3. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever believes in his son would have eternal life. Whoever believes in his son would, would get to the Father, would be able to go to heaven. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Jesus went on to say this in verse 35 The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes, In the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, I'm the gate, I'm it. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Whoever enters through me will, will get to the Father. Beloved, the Bible is is crystal clear on this issue. You you, you may not agree with what's written in the Bible, and I know a lot of you don't. I I didn't for a long time. You you, you may not agree with this thought that Jesus is the only way you're ever going to get to heaven. I I get it. You don't have to agree, but you, you can't argue with what the Bible says. It's crystal clear. The only way that we get to go to heaven, the only way that we get to the Father is through a relationship with Jesus. He's the only way you get to God. Look, being a a, a great person won't get you to God. Doing good things won't get you to God. Giving large sums of money to some charity won't get you to God. Keeping the Ten Commandments won't get you to God. Being religious won't get you to God. Growing up in America won't get you to God. Attending church won't get you to God. Being here, attending this church won't get you to God. Being a Republican won't get you to God. Well, that's just blasphemous. I didn't realize that this was that kind of church, is it? Look you, you can be best friends with the Pope. doesn't get you to God. The Bible's crystal clear. No one will get to the Father, no one, unless it's through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And John, Chapter 6, there's a group of people that asked Jesus a, another great question. It says in verse 25, When the people found Jesus on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Teacher, when did you come here? And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you aren't looking for me because you saw me do miracles. You are looking for me because you ate the bread and were satisfied. In other words, the reason why you, you're hunting me down is because I fed you dinner. Don't work for the food that spoils Work for the food that stays good always and gives eternal life. The Son of Man, that's Jesus, will give you this food because on him God the Father has put his power. Then the people ask Jesus, what are the good things that God wants us to do? That's a great question. What is it that, that, that God would, would want from me? Well, in verse 29, Jesus gave us the answer. Jesus said, the work God wants you to do is this. Believe in the one whom he has sent. That's the work of God. Look, there's nothing wrong with, you know, doing good things. I, I think the, uh, the, 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 the Bible's crystal clear. That once you become a follower of his, once you put your trust in in Christ, God uh, has some thoughts on how we ought to live. There are some things that God says, hey, I want you to do these kinds of things with your life. He says, hey, here are some things I want you to stay away from. God obviously has some thoughts on how he wants us to live. Nothing wrong with doing good things. Nothing wrong with with, uh, putting money in that little green thing that went by a moment ago. That's a good thing. It, it keeps the lights on. It keeps us building warm. It, um, it, it provided chairs for you. It makes it possible for us to have music and children's ministries. There's a real practical sense in giving. God wants us to do that. Nothing wrong with, you know, growing up in, a, in America. Nothing wrong with any of those things. But none of them will get you to the Father. What gets you to the Father is simply believing in the one that he has sent, a relationship with Jesus. God sent Jesus. The work of God is to believe in Jesus. Put your trust in Jesus. You'll never get to God without surrendering your life over to Jesus Christ. Now, I don't want anybody to be deceived here, okay? there are a lot of people who are not going to get to God. Listen to these words from Jesus in Matthew chapter 7. And for some of you, this is just going to be really difficult. Jesus said, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. And we know what the First thing God wants us to do is, the first work is to give our life to his son. That's the will of God. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. Lord, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. We performed a lot of miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Uh, I, I know some of you are just going, whoa, hold on here, man. I, I, I just, I don't believe that. And that's okay. You and I can still be friends because I, I didn't say that. <laughs> so we can hang out and have coffee. Your trouble is not with me. Your trouble is with the very words of Jesus. Your trouble is with what the scriptures say. Beloved, there will be some people who will stand before Jesus and he'll say to them, get away from me. I never knew you. Yes, you called me Lord. Yes, you did some nice things for people, but you never surrendered your life to me. You never were my servant. You never gave up your will. You never allowed me access to your life. We never had a close relationship. And as I thought about that, I thought back to before I knew the Lord. And I used to do a lot of things in the name of the Lord, though. I can remember a, a number of times when um, I became very spiritual. I'd be driving down the road, and I'd be doing things that you shouldn't do. And there are these cars that have these red lights on them. And all of a sudden, I'd look in my rearview mirror, and I'd see these red lights going off. Oh, Jesus! Oh, Lord! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Could you intervene? Could you do it, Lord? And I'd be praying like you wouldn't believe. I didn't know the Lord from Howard Hughes. I became very spiritual at that moment. I remember going to First Baptist Church, and I would get involved in projects and things that they would do, and they were all in the name of the Lord. I can remember going down to the gospel mission, and in the name of the Lord... I was giving out soup and bread and all those kinds of things. And I didn't know the Lord. I think there's going to be a lot of people who stand before Jesus and they're going to say, Jesus, man, I, I went to Big Valley. I've been through enough pain and sorrow. I had to listen to countrymen preach. Long, long sermons. I did a love modesto. I gave money. I did a lot of things. And Jesus is going to say, we never had a relationship. Never. The work of God was that you would surrender your life to me. Believe in the one in whom I had sent. Oh, you sang songs about him. You gave money to him. You even did some things in his name. But you never surrendered your life over to him. And that's the key. That's the key. So back to the question, who is this Jesus? How would you respond to, to that? It, if you go to a Christmas party today or you know, tomorrow or Christmas morning and, and they were to gather everybody up around the nativity scene in their home and they were just to kind of go around and say, hey, I was wondering, let's just go around and who would you say that is? What would you say? Do, do you believe that that's God's one and only son? Do you believe that he's the only way that you have access to heaven? Or have you re- rejected this truth? Remember, a lot rides on how you answer the question, who, who, who is Jesus, you see? Number two, and, and this answers the why Jesus question that I'm always asked. Number two, who, who is Jesus? Jesus, that, that baby in the manger is God is God. John chapter 10 records six of the most important or profound words Jesus ever said. He said this: "I and the Father are one." <laughs> If any one of you stood up in here and said, I and the Father are one, we have security. No joke. Who literally would come, grab you, and take you to the loony barn. Jesus stood up in a group of people and said, I and the Father are one. Beloved, there are a lot of people out there that teach that Jesus never claimed to be God, and they're wrong. They're liars. They're deceivers. Because right here, Jesus is absolutely claiming to be God. And how we know that Jesus is claiming to be God here is because of what happens right after he says these six words. In verse 31, it says this, once again, the people picked up stones to kill him. And Jesus said, at my father's direction, I have done many good works for which one are you going to stone me? And they replied, we're not stoning you for any of your good works. We're going to stone you for blasphemy because you, a mere man, claim to be God. These people knew exactly what Jesus was saying here. He was claiming to be God because he was God. Those that say that Jesus never claimed to be God, they're just wrong. It's crystal clear here and other places in scripture that that Jesus claimed to be God. And of course he proved the fact that he was God when 33 years after he was born, he he, he, he went to a cross and he died and they put him in a tomb and three days later he walked out of the tomb. You see, it'd be impossible to kill God, right? A lot of people have been put to death. uh, uh, It could be by the cross. I mean, that was capital punishment back in Jesus' day. A lot of people died on the cross, and not a one of them walked out of a tomb. A lot of people have been put to death here in America, whether it be by the electric chair or gas chamber, or whatever it is, not a one of them has come back to life. But when Jesus walked out of that tomb three days later, that was proof That he was who he said he was, and that is God. And there was Jesus saying, listen, the one thing that bites all of us is death. It's the one fate that we all have in common. Death is the the great equalizer of life. Doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, doesn't matter which color your skin is, Doesn't matter what country you grew up in, we're all gonna die. And when Jesus walked out of that tomb, he said, listen, death has nothing on me. And if you give your life to me, yet shall, if you die, yet shall you live. Death won't have any grip on your life either. Now back to the why only Jesus question. Why is Jesus the only way you can have a personal relationship with God? Because Jesus was God. And so if you have a relationship with Jesus, you're having a relationship with God. And that's what God always wanted, is that we would have a relationship with one another. Look, I've got two dogs at home. And I have a relationship with my two dogs. I love my dogs. And I know they love me, because every time the garage door goes up, man, they're right there at the door. They love me no matter what. And they're always, oh, woo, I'm home. They just, they're just so happy. I wish my kids would do that. <laughs> my, my dogs, man, no matter what, man, there they are. And I love them. And we have a relationship. But at the end of the day, you know what I've got? I've got a relationship with two dogs. You can have a relationship with a crystal. I met a gal a few weeks ago, brought in a crystal. Shiny and pretty and light refracted through it, ooh. And she had a relationship with it. But at the end of the day, you know what she had? A relationship with a crystal. It was shiny, pretty. You can have a relationship with nature. You can go out and hug a tree and kiss a rock and all that stuff, that's great. I don't care, do it. But at the end of the day, you know what you got? You got a relationship with a rock or a tree or a half dome or whatever it is, whatever, whatever it is. You can have a relationship with anything you want, but at the end of the day, whatever that thing is, that's what you got. But when you have a relationship with Jesus, you see, at the end of the day, what do you got? You have a relationship with God. Colossians chapter 1 says this, Christ, Jesus, is the visible image of the invisible God. Beloved, it's through the life of Jesus as revealed in the scriptures that we see God. Now, I'm often asked this question. Pastor Rick, why did God have to come as a baby? Why did God have to come as a a human being? And and I just think that's a, a really great question. I mean, of all the ways that God could have chosen to communicate to you that he cares for you, that he loves you, that he wants to have a relationship with you. Why did he choose to become a human? Well, let me give you two reasons. There's lots, but let me give you two. Number one, God didn't want to scare you. He didn't want to scare you. God came to save people. God came to have a a relationship with people, not to scare people. If God would have showed up as a a lightning bolt, that would have scared people. Imagine, boom! (laughs) That'd freak you out, wouldn't it? Imagine if our nativity scene would have had a big lightning bolt. Yeah. yeah, how do you do that? That's kind of freaky. He didn't want to scare anybody. A friend of mine, uh, the, the DJ and Alex Greep, just had a little baby. And when the baby was born, I was in the hospital, and there it was, all wrapped up, and you know, it looked like a burrito. You know, head sticking out, and you walk in, and oh, you pick it up, and you just start dancing around. I became the Nutcracker in there. I was just, uh, I was just. You just, you're not afraid of a baby. It's a baby. Look, God didn't want to scare you. So one of the reasons why He came as a child, but it's number two that's really critical. God wanted you to know that He can relate to what's going on in your life. The Bible says that Jesus was just like us. He was born just like us. Everybody in here came out of a womb. And so did Jesus. He grew up like us physically, spiritually, emotionally, socially. He had the same needs and the same drives and the same desires and the same problems and the same pressures in life as we do. He suffered and experienced pain just like you have. Some of you are experiencing pain right now, right? You're suffering now. He gets it. There were times when, when Jesus was, was tired and lonely. You ever been tired? Lonely? Some of you are right now. He gets it. There were times when Jesus was fatigued and, and under pressure. Some of you are business owners and you're just under pressure, right? this has just got to be a great Christmas season for you. You don't know whether you're going to make it or not. You're hoping to make the you know, payroll. A lot of pressure. There were times when Jesus was disappointed and misunderstood. There were times when Jesus was made fun of and people spread crummy rumors about him. Has that ever happened to you? All this to say that Jesus understands your life because he's been there, because he came and he lived as a human. So that when you talk with him, you pray to him, he gets it. He, he, he came because he didn't want to scare you, and he came as a human being because he wanted you to know, hey, I, I get it. I, I, I've been there. I've been one of you. I understand the limitations of these human bodies of yours, I, I get it. Because God came like me and looked like me and experienced life like me, I, I can relate to him. I mean, if he, if, if he would have came a, as a lightning bolt, how do you relate to a lightning bolt? I, I, dear lightning bolt, really struggling down here. How does it work? Oh dear, Crystal. That's over my head. The pyramid of life. I'm struggling right now. I got a pink slip in the mail, and I I don't think I'm going to have my job. How, how How do you? Or those that worship the sun. How do you relate to the sun? I mean, you look up at it. Ah! 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 It'll burn your eyeballs out. I mean, you can't even look at it, and your eyeballs get burned out. How do you relate to the sun? How do you relate to a cow? Oh, dear cow, you know, uh, I'm really fatigued right now, cow, and I, I know you get it, I know you understand. Been out there chewing grass all day, and I, <laughs> I, 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 Does this make sense to, to, to you? Isn't it neat to know that God loved you and cared about you so much and he so longed to have a relationship with you? He came as one of us. See, not only is he the only way you're ever going to get to the father, but the reason why is because he he is God. I I heard the story about this family, and mom believed in God, and the children all believed in God, but, but dad didn't. And the thing that really held dad back was the fact that God came as a baby. That just didn't make any sense to him. I mean, how ludicrous is that to think that God had to come as a child? And when I heard the story, I, I, I could relate to it because it was one of the things before I gave my life to Christ that I used to go, that's just weird. I mean, I loved Christmas. I loved getting presents. I loved the lights and all those kinds of things. And I, I loved the music. I loved the carols. But I just didn't believe in any of it because it was just crazy to think that God had to come as a person. Well, in this family, it was Christmas Eve, and... Everybody came out and said, Dad, we're going to go to church at the Christmas Eve service. Would you come? And he said, no, I'm not going to go, but you guys go and have a great time. I'm just going to sit next to the fire and and read a book. And and so Mom and the kids all put on their coats and their boots because it was snowing outside, and they all got in their car and left, and there was Dad reading his book. And as he was reading that book, there was this window kind of right out in front of him. All of a sudden, he hears this boom, and it kind of scared him. And he puts his book down and gets up, walks over to the mirror and looks outside and all he sees is snow, you know, and he thinks, that, that was kind of weird. So he goes and sits back down and he begins reading his book again. All of a sudden, boom, another bang on the window. And so he gets up and he goes over and there's nothing laying on the ground, but he sees a little trickle of blood on one of the panes of glass. So he gets his book and he sits back down and he's going, man, that is just really weird. And sure enough, as soon as he sat down, boom, he hears it again and he runs over. And this time he looks down through the glass and he sees this bird lying there. And he thought, man, that is just weird. And the bird got up and flew away and he went and sat back down. And sure enough, a few seconds later, bam, that bird hit the window again. But this time there was a little bit more blood. He goes over and the bird's lying there. And now there's blood kind of coming out of its beak. And he's going, man, this is just bizarre. And as he's standing there, the bird kind of gets up and flies away. And he's trying to figure this whole thing out. And he looks over, and he sees the fireplace, and he goes, you know, I, I know what's going on. That bird's trying to get inside my house. He's trying to get inside where it's warm and 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 there's safety and all that kind of stuff. And So the guy puts on his coat and his boots and he runs out and he had this big barn and he opens up the barn doors and he clicks on all of the lights, goes back into his house, takes his coat and boots off and thinks, you know, okay, this bird now has an incredible place to go and rest and build a nest and all those kinds of things. He sits back down at his chair and all of a sudden, bang, that bird hits the window again and he runs over there and he looks at the bird and it kind of staggers away and flies off. And he's going, dude, man. And all of a sudden he sees the bird coming towards the window again. And he's going, man, don't you get it? I opened up the barn and turned on all the lights. There's, there's safety and you've got all kinds of space. You've got all kinds of room in there. Go into the barn. Bang. And he hits the window. And he looks out and he's thinking, oh, man, this thing's going to die. And the bird gets up and kind of flies off. And he's just in a panic. And all of a sudden he goes, man, I just wish I could become a bird for a second. I could go out there and tell that bird where safety is, where warmth is, where he can build his nest. If I could just become a bird for a second. And all of a sudden, boom, it hit him. You see, if God wanted to communicate to frogs, he'd have came as a frog. If God wanted to communicate to beetles, he came as a beetle. But you were made in God's image. And God came because he wanted to communicate something to you. That he loved you. That he cares for you. That he came to bring you to the Father, to restore a relationship. And that's why he came As a baby didn't want to scare you wanted you to understand that he could relate to all the things that are that are going on in your life so back to the question who is this Jesus who is he well according to Jesus he's the only way you're ever gonna get to the father according to the Jesus according to Jesus he was God and number three who is Jesus? Jesus, this baby in a manger, is the Savior. He's the Savior. Probably the most famous verse this time of year is uh, Luke chapter 2, where it says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born for you. God sent a Savior for us. That's what he sent, because that's what we needed. We needed a Savior. In Matthew chapter 2, it says, or Matthew chapter 1, it says, She, that's Mary, will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save. He'll be the Savior. He'll save people from their sins. It's our sins that messed up everything. In Romans chapter 6, it says, for the wages of sin is death. We die physically, but way worse than dying physically is we died spiritually. Our relationship with the Father was was broken. But the free gift of God, the free gift was born in a manger 2,000 years ago for us. And if you put your trust in him, you'll have eternal life. You'll be with the Father forever in heaven and eternity. One day, Jesus asked his disciples um, a question that's very similar to to, to this one, you know, who who is Jesus? It says this in Matthew chapter 16. When Jesus came to the area of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his followers, who do the people say the Son of Man is? Who, Who do the people say Jesus is? And they answered, well, you know, some think you're John the Baptist. And by this point, John the Baptist had been beheaded. He was already dead. Jesus, uh, other people think you're Elijah. Some people think you're Jeremiah. Some people think you're just one of the the, the prophets. Oh, really? And one of the fun things I do every so often is I'll be in a Starbucks or I'll go somewhere and I'll ask people that same question. Hey, I was wondering, who, who do you think Jesus is? And it's always fun to hear the responses. Some people will say, oh, you know, he was a good man. Some will say, you know what, he was a a good teacher. Really great teacher. Some will say, you know, he was a prophet. He he was a prophet. That's who he was. Some will say, oh, he was one of many gods. Some will say that. Some will say, you know what, he was a great leader. He's the head of of a major religion. I've heard that. In fact, you want to have some fun, just ask that question when your family and friends come over. Just gather them around your, your nativity scene. And here's some of the answers. But then Jesus does something really interesting. He says to the guys, hey, listen, who, who, what's the word of the, on the street out there? What do people think about me? Who do they say I am? Oh, really? John the Baptist? Cool. Something I'm Elijah? <laughs> Jeremiah, really? Isaiah? (laughs) And then he just turns the whole thing. And he said, forget about them. Who do you say that I am? It doesn't matter what what, what your parents think about Jesus. It doesn't matter what your grandparents think about Jesus. It doesn't matter what your kids think about Jesus. It doesn't matter what your college professor thinks about Jesus. Jesus. It doesn't matter what your high school biology teacher thinks about Jesus. The bottom line is this. Who do you say he is? And once again, how you answer that question will determine your eternal destiny. I love that question. Okay, guys, but what about you? Who do you think God I am? Verse 16, Simon said, Well, you're the Christ, you're the Son of the living God. That's who you are. And Jesus answered, You are blessed, Simon, the son of Jonah, because no person taught you that. My Father in heaven showed you who I am. And a little while ago, Pastor Bobby showed you all these cards. And last weekend, The same thing that took place here took place last weekend. Over 200 people, somehow the Father opened their eyes to the truth of who Jesus was. It had nothing to do with the music, it had nothing to do with my message, it wasn't anything like that. The Father simply opened the eyes of a whole lot of people. and Those people came into a relationship with with Jesus Christ. Maybe like these people, maybe right now your eyes have been opened to the truth. The Bible says this in Romans 10, and I'll end with this verse. Anybody who trusts in him will never be put to shame, for there's no difference between Jew and Gentile The same Lord is the Lord of all, and He richly blesses all who call on Him. And then there's this great line right here. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You call on the name of Jesus, you'll be saved. You surrender your life over to Jesus, you'll be saved. You put your trust in Jesus, you'll be saved. You give your life over to Jesus and everything changes. You will now have a relationship with God because he was God, you see. He is the Savior. And it would be really, really crummy if, I don't know, I said, hey, you know, we're gonna go and, you know, go out to the mall and finish your shopping or go get lunch or or whatever. Because I believe That God is drawing some of you right now. You see, when Jesus hung on that cross, he hung on that cross for everybody. He wants everybody to give their life over to him. That's what he wants. But while the issue is us and whether we will humble ourselves and submit our lives to him, And I know that some of you right now are being called by him. I know it. But I also know human nature. And some of you will dig in, and you won't humble yourself. And you'll go home, and on December 26th or 7th, you'll pack up your nativity scene and put it in a box and put it on a shelf. And that's where that little figurine will be, because that's all it is to you is a figurine. but I believe there are some of you here and God right now is doing a miracle in your life and he's revealed to you who he was. And I want to give you a chance to do what I did a number of years ago and what most people have done in this room and that is give your life over to Jesus Christ, the central character of your nativity scene. And so would you just close your eyes for just a moment And if you're here and you've never given your life to Christ and you know it, you know God's calling you right now, you've got to humble yourself. You've got to surrender your life. got to give up your life. Hard thing to do. But if you want to know Jesus as your Savior right now, you want to begin a relationship with God, you want to invite Jesus into your life, just simply say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you right now. I believe in you. I believe that you're the only way to heaven. I believe that you are God. I believe that you are the Savior. And I want to begin a relationship with you right now. Cleanse me of my sin. My life is yours. Now, Just keep your eyes closed for a second, okay? That prayer isn't found in the Bible anywhere, okay? I just, just made it up up here. But if, if you meant that, if you, you meant it, and you, you said, God, I want you in my life. God, I need you in my life. God, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to go to heaven when I die. If you meant that, uh, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to ask you to come up here or anything like that. I just, I just want to rejoice in the decision that you've made. And so would you raise your hand? Make sure I I, I see it. Yeah, here. Yeah, right there. Man, a bunch of you right back there. Yeah. Just make sure I see you. You can look at me if you want. Make sure I see your hand. I got you up there. Yeah. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, right here. Very cool. I'm over here. Yeah, 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 man. Woohoo. Uh-huh. Young guy, young guy. It's amazing how the young people get it. They get it. They get it. Yeah. Okay, everybody just look up here real quick. Here's the deal. I'm going to pray a blessing on on your life right now, all of us. Most of us know the Lord, we've given our life to to, to Jesus. And I I, I just want you to have a great Christmas. Even those, you know, Christmas is a great time. Even if you don't believe in Jesus, isn't it weird how Christmas brings us together and families and there's just joy and it's just, it's a great thing. And I wanna pray God's blessing on your life. But before I do that, I'm gonna pray and all that. I just wanna tell you, when I'm done praying, those doors are going to open up, and I'm going to go in there, and every gathering at 4 o'clock last night, 6 o'clock last night, 9 o'clock this morning, there were a whole bunch of people that came into that room. I'm going to ask you to give me five minutes of your life. Just come on in, and I and, uh, just want to talk to you for a second. I want to invite you to, to something. You know, you began this new relationship. And I, I, I want to give you some tools and some tracks to run on. Maybe you don't own a Bible. I want to give you your first Bible. And so if you really understood the significance of who Jesus was, and if you really understand the significance of the decision you just made, let me tell you something. You'll give me five minutes. And just lean over to the person you came with and say, listen, I don't know whether you raised your hand or not, but I did. I know God's doing something in my life. I need to go into that room for five minutes. The decision you just made trumps whoever you're sitting next to, and that might even be your spouse. It might even be your parents. There is nothing greater than the decision to follow Jesus Christ. Nothing. And so if you really get it, just give me five minutes. Just hustle into that room. We'll talk to you for a few minutes and get you out of here. You can Go have your lunch. And you can go do whatever it is that, that, that you're going to do today. But give me a few minutes. Maybe, maybe last weekend, you know what? You were here and you didn't mark this card. And, and, and c- come in. Let me talk to you. Maybe you gave your life to Christ sometime when the last month or six months here at big valley grace would you come into that room and let me talk with you i want to just tell you about a little thing i do pastor bobby talked about the follow class and i want to invite you to it and tell tell you a little bit about it because it's important i mean it's more important than all of us know and so just give me just five five minutes of your life okay why don't you stand up let me pray okay Father, thank you, Lord, for today and yesterday. Man, it's just been great. I've enjoyed the music, and I've enjoyed this series as we've gone through the the nativity, and and my life has been enriched as I've looked at the scriptures. My my hope and prayer has been, Lord, that people's lives have been enriched as we've looked at these characters and how we can learn from them and grow from them. Father, I, I hope that many would come back tomorrow night and we just have a great time on Christmas Eve being together with our families. Lord, um, would you pour out your favor on these folks? God, this holiday weekend, this season, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, may there be great joy in the homes, Lord, of all of us. I pray specifically for those that this isn't a real great time, people who know you, and yet just, this can be a, a difficult season for some, and blessings on them, Lord. May the peace of Jesus Christ fill them. Lord, I hope that many would just come into the altar room. A lot of hands went up, and just, just give them the courage to come down, and I'd love to meet them. Thanks for being a, a, a good God, a great God, a God who loves us dearly. And I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Hey, blessings, we'll see you here tomorrow night, okay?